You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast alongside Mike Chappell. I'm Dave Griffiths, Joe Hopkins here on the board. And uh, Mike, it is OTA season in the NFL. The Colts have assembled the entire list of their players, rookies and veterans, all, or at least most of them. It is voluntary indeed, as Edron James so aptly pointed out several Even years ago. Even I know what the term voluntary means, but, but they're all here. Yes, indeed. So that's a good sign. Um, but just because they're all here, Mike, doesn't mean that all of next year's Colts, who will take a snap, are in the building right now because you have some uh, interesting things that you're reporting on this week about who could be soon possibly at least considered to be added to the roster. Yeah, the, the Tampa Bay Bucks released Gerald McCoy, not because he isn't any good, but because he's making $13 million. And he refused to take a pay cut, which I probably would do the same thing. If I was making $13 million. So he's out there, and I check with someone who knows, and they said the Colts will at least kick the tires. Now, they will either, either they have or will have internal discussions. What do you think? How does he fit? You know, can we afford him? And that's one where everything we just mentioned, it's check, check, check. Right. He's a perfect fit. He's a, he'd be a three-technique He's a he's an aggressive up the field guy. He's thirty one, but he's barely missed time. I mean, Joe Joe mentioned he's got uh, what he's played is it thir- thirteen thir- or more starts each it, of the past seven seasons, correct? And at least five sacks in, in seven seasons, and six four three hundred, six time Pro Bowler. He he just checks all the boxes. Then oh by the way. He's considered a great leader and a great locker room guy. So the only reason, I guess, that you don't – well, I don't know why you don't do it because you've got the money. <laughs> it's It would probably be a one-year deal. I don't know that they would go and give him a two-year deal like they did in Houston at this time of year. The issue would be the price. Uh, if all it takes is two teams, another team to be involved, but you would think, you know, one year, I don't know, five, six, seven million dollars. I don't know. But th- this is something that w- when the Colts say they're at least kicking the tires, I can just see Jim Irsay whipping out the checkbook and saying, here you go, mm-hmm. go get the guy. So we'll see where this goes. It's quite possible. And what's what's going in the Colts' favor with McCoy right now is this isn't early in the free agent signing period. If McCoy had hit the early free agent period, then you would have had a bidding war. There would have been multiple teams for sure interested in his services. But the Colts now have the most salary cap space in the NFL, and you could argue a position of need on that defensive line. So things seem to be coming up in their favor. Not a position of crying need. Right. But but a, a position of need because, you know, Ballard always talks offensive line, defensive line, let's be strong there. They've got interesting players on the defensive line, seven or eight, nine deep. But this is a this is a proven guy. This is a guy they don't have, the six time Pro Bowler on the interior. You know, right now you've got uh, Danico Autry, you got Marcus Hunt, you got Tyquan Lewis, uh, Grover Stewart. Those are your four on the inside right, right now. And, and then outside, of course, Houston and, and Justin Houston and uh, Kamoko Ture and people like that. But th- this is a guy that all of a sudden gives you some oomph inside, and, and when you add him. With if you add him with, with a Justin Houston, which they're both in the thirty thirty one range, they're not typical players that that Ballard goes after. 
And this and and I don't think this should be seen as like in a fourteen when they went after guys in a all or bust. Right. This is it. It, it makes sense, you know. Providing the, the price is, is what they want to do. So I think fifty fifty. I would if I if I were a betting man, I say it happens. But uh, we'll see again. The fact that they didn't say, "Nah, we're not. We're not going to do that." Mm-hmm. When you start talking, and you've got an owner willing to pay, and you've got certainly got the cap space, I just it just makes too much sense not to happen. And what what I look at with the roster was what again the Colts did last year with their roster going into the season on the fifty three. They had five interior guys, and then they had four guys on the outside. So right now, we think there's four guys on the interior that they're certainly interested uh, interested in keeping. I think they're the ones that you mentioned already: is Marcus Hunt, Danico Autry, Grover Stewart, Tyquan Lewis. But that fifth spot is kind of open right now. There's no one that they drafted who's an interior defensive lineman. There's no free agent out there that was a, an incredible signing that you think that, that has to fit in that spot. So if they do what they did last year, which isn't always a definite when it comes to the roster, but it lets you know what the coaches like to have in their roster available, it's not out of the question that McCoy would be a guy to fit in there. Of course, on the edges, you mentioned Houston, Teray, uh, Jabal Sheard as well, Gary Green. Um, those four might be the inside looks at the four roster spots. Also, I mean, Jihad Ward and Al-Kadeem Muhammad played some time last year, so they will <laughs> certainly have a say about that. But that's kind of where your defensive line is right now, at least the names. And if you have space for and the caps and the cap space to bring in a McCoy, I, I think it's it's a slam dunk if you can get him here. Well, we had our sit down with Ballard what it was last week or two weeks ago. He has he has all the players and every team on, on his on the walls on boards, and because you never know, you these are the street free agents. We need this. But one thing you have to be prepared for is what happens when a team lets a guy like this go. Yep. You all you have to be prepared to to move. You know, again, you talk about it and you just say Let, let's let's do some deep diving, or you just say no, it's not a good fit. Mm-hmm. So th- 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 this is where we always joke in the press room where Chris Ballard seems to make moves <laughs> just for the heck of it. <laughs> you know, you're, you're looking at names and you think I didn't know that guy was on the roster. But this is this is one where, as a personnel department, you just have to be prepared to adjust, to consider. And I think what's important with the Colts, the way they've handled the roster and the budget, is when this happens, they're in position to move. Again, there's no, there's no, there should be no hesitancy as far as can we afford him. The only issue would be does Jim Mercy want to pay what it's going to take? And he always has shown, always has shown. The willingness, because Ballard told us during, uh, he may have been at the owners' meetings when reporters were out there. He said Ursay basically comes to him and says, "Here's here's my wallet," mm-hmm. and it's it's been a case of Ballard saying, "No, that's you know that's okay, no no thanks." <laughs> so uh, again, th- this makes too much sense. Now whether New England or Jacksonville or somebody gets involved and and really runs the runs the price tag up, we'll see, but. Again, I keep coming back to the same thing. It just makes too much sense not to happen. And one thing I want to ask here is, you know, we talked about last week, the Colts were already in power rankings third, fifth. You know, they're already rated very highly coming into the season. How would this fit play as far as would this push them over the top? Would they be one of the favorites for a Super Bowl? I mean, that D-line with Sheard, McCoy, Autry and Justin Houston looks pretty darn good. All of a sudden, I'm not sure much how higher they would get pushed, right? Because <laughs> they're third in Peter Kings and they're behind the Chiefs and New England. 
it would certainly it would it would just sort of entrench you where you are, and that's what it's all about. And again, it's it's funny we always talk about the off season and the power rankings, and we talk about it because people talk about it and there's interest, right. and there is some validity. I mean, we I asked uh, Frank Reich on on uh, Tuesday about motivation and can he use this as a different motivation? Because I reminded him, if you remember the the video of him pulling out the thirty two placard in Tennessee last year when they made the playoffs, and he said basically we showed you people. Mm-hmm. And he kind of agreed he may have overplayed that a bit, but that's what that's what people do. So, I, I think it's interesting. It'll 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 maybe in, in, ingrain the national image. But if you look around, people expect a lot from this team, and I, I'm interested to see how certain players in this team respond to instead of being we're going to show you, you know, to can you back it up. And that's McCoy would certainly add a a level of. Uh, a level of more, even more. Oh, what's the word? Um, I can't. I, well, I, he, I can't get just, it out of my head. He's just a presence. He, he's just a defensive presence. Again, this league we we've just talked about it so much. It's about having X number of players who make a difference. They've got so many players on this roster. You think are pretty good players, but how many difference makers? We've talked about it. difference makers. Luck, Hilton. I'll put Ebron in there. Uh, Marlon Mack, eh, we'll, we'll see. But then Darius Leonard defensively, mm-hmm. it, it'll be Darius Leonard and Justin Houston, and then who? So yeah. the more the more you can sign, the better. The the more guys you can make those four or five plays, it makes a difference. So uh, it's gonna be fun. It, I think this, and if this happens, this will happen soon because you bring a guy in, you want him to be have as much exposure to your defense as possible. So I would think one way or the other, Gerald McCoy is with somebody. In the next week. Well, while we're talking about uh, finances and money, as uh, as we have with, um, unless anybody has anything more to say about McCoy, I'll move on to uh, what the Colts have one, done. One this thing last about week. McCoy, mm-hmm. an interesting note. Back in you, you always bring up the two thousand, the Super Bowl Miami. Yep. Connections. Well, back in 06, they made one big signing uh, that year preseason, I believe it was in off season, and it was Booger, Booger McFarland yep. from Tampa Bay. Oh. Uh, and he was a huge, huge addition to the middle of that line. Quite so, literally. So, <laughs> really. And again, one thing about this: this guy's three hundred pounds. There's only like two or three three hundred pounders. This this defense has done a complete makeover in how they want to approach it, player wise. It's mm-hmm. smaller, quicker, get up field attack. But boy, when you can get a three hundred pounder, can be a disruptor in the middle. It makes so much sense. The Colts have signed two more draft picks over the past week. Uh, Rock Yassine and Paris Campbell, a pair of second-rounders. Yassine, their first pick in the second round, the corner out of Temple, and Campbell, the wide receiver out of Ohio State. So that leaves only one Colt left unsigned, um, one Colt draft pick left unsigned. Bobby Okariki still waiting it out for whatever reason he and his agent might have. But, Mike, he was in, he was in OTAs, so this is not... A level of concern. Or this is now. this is no level of concern at all because the again with the new with the, with the not new but the CBA and the rookie wage scale, these guys know what they're getting. It's four years, and I didn't bring my, my numbers, but X number of million of dollars, yep. and it's 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 non negotiable. Mm-hmm. Now you can tweak how you pay a signing bonus or 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 or, or offsetting clauses and all that, but he's going to get what he's going to get. For the most part, they know what the third pick. In the second round, next year is going to make. Hmm. It, it'll get done. I I don't know why, other than 
It hasn't, but uh, within a week or so, it'll get done. There's there is zero chance there of him not being signed by training camp. The Colts made another interesting signing over the past week. That is bringing in a fourth quarterback, really, for the roster to to take some snaps at least or pressure uh, Philip Walker for that number three spot, and that is Chad Kelly, free agent quarterback Chad Kelly, the nephew of Bills quarterback Jim Kelly, and. Chad is probably most known for his uh, off-the-field antics, we shall say. He was kicked off of Clemson in 2004 for fighting with coaches. He had a misdemeanor charge for a bar fight in the same year. Who hasn't had a bar fight? I mean, <laughs> let, let he was not that. have a bar fight, throw the first <laughs> beer bottle. Uh, he got in a fight at a brother at his brother's high school football game. Haven't you done that before? Oh, many times, many, many times. And a misdemeanor criminal trespassing in 2017. He Cut walked play. into somebody's house that wasn't his own, sat down on the couch, and what? Got beat up with a vacuum tube. Ah, boy. Have you done that? I've, I've not. That, that's one thing that, I haven't that, done. That's past my, uh, <laughs> past my level of expertise there. So, I mean, for, from my perspective, come on. R- really, Chad Kelly, out of the guys that, you, that are available out there, not not that there's that many great guys available, but to come in and compete for a number three spot, you, you bring in this guy. You bring in what he's had uh, on his record. And Frank Reich says he knows it's his last chance. Or everybody's deserving of a second chance. Like, this is his, like, eighth chance, his ninth chance. chance. No, Frank. not even close. So, I mean, the Colts can talk themselves until they're blue in the face about being horseshoe guys and having character. This signing, to me, is just, I don't, I don't know what you're doing here. Because it, it just seems to do more to detract from that stance then it will at any point add to the quality of your roster this is what you would call a favor uh, jim kelly and frank wright go back 10 years in buffalo they've remained close and frank didn't he said he's talked to jim kelly about it he didn't use the word i'm doing him a favor but it's sort of clear that this is what it is and I, i'm with you maybe not as hard as you but I just don't understand that it's worth the initial PR hit that you take because when you talk about right now, when you talk about Chad Kelly, for the most part, all you talk about are the indiscretions, are the mistakes. And they made it very clear he's coming in to compete as your fourth quarterback. You would think that if this guy, he, he's shown skills. He, he's had, done some good things in college. Played one game when it was a kneel down with Denver before he got Right, injured. He went on IR, and then he was uh, cut when he was had the misdemeanor trespassing. But best case scenario, he's your backup quarterback in twenty twenty, and on the practice squad at that. Oh yeah, okay, well, yeah. yeah, yeah. If, 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 if Jacoby Brissett leaves and you bring if, him, in. yeah. This year, this sorry, year, I didn't follow you there. Yeah, he would be your your number three, but you're not going to carry three. You just don't carry three quarterbacks. Nope. Those positions are too valuable. You put him on the practice squad. If he shows something, then he's a free agent and can go somewhere else. It it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me, other than the fact that in the NFL, coaches and former players and all this, you do things. We're, we're talking about the 90th spot on the roster, and it it it's a, it's a drop in, in the ocean as far as what you're doing. I'm just not sure in in the long term, like you mentioned that. It make much sense because right now, again, all we're talking about is Denver and he got dropped and Clemson and bar fights. And they made it clear, though, that, that, that Chris, Chris Ballard sort of mentioned this 
after the draft where he said, my, you know, I'm, I'm into second chances. My wife always says, you think you can save everybody. But again, this this isn't a second chance. This is, it's hard to count, fifth or sixth chance. I don't see the upside. I think part of, you know, what we're missing here is we've talked about all the problems that he's had, and yet he keeps getting more chances because he has quite a bit of talent. When he was healthy on the field at Ole Miss, he showed he had talent. He beat number two Alabama. And so I think what the Colts are doing here is simply kicking the tires on a someone who, like you said, could potentially be Brissett's backup in 2020. If he, you know, he's 25 now, if he's matured, he has to act together. He's never done anything, you know, like domestic violence. No, he's been a, a knucklehead. He's But he's made bad decisions. And the one position that you got to have good decision making is quarterback. So I, I, this again, it seems like as well as well, we we can fix him, we we can make, we can correct it, and maybe they can. And I, I go back to the same thing that I wouldn't have done it, but there's there, there's no risk involved. There's little. I don't think there was a signing bonus. If it doesn't work, you cut him. It's I just don't think it was worth that little ripple of bad publicity you get. And here's the thing about what Frank Reich said again about Chad Kelly and questions that he was asked um, at his availability at OTAs. He said, um, we always go in, uh, we, we sit down, we talked about, uh, let's see, hang on, blah, 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 whatever. Chad's name came up, did a lot of research, we did a lot of vetting. Chad has a lot of good tape out there. Each one of these deals are on a case-by-case basis. Whenever you take a person in Chad's situation, it's a case-by-case basis. I felt like from the tape we saw what the scouts thought and what we saw looking at the tape, the vetting that we did, the people we talked to, it just felt like we could give Chad a chance here to come in and compete as the fourth guy. Um, let's see. He knows he's getting a second chance. He did come in here in rookie minicamp and look good, so we're comfortable at it uh, with it at this point. So from all those things that Frank Reich said, when he said it, everything's a case-by-case basis and the evidence to have him on the team was entirely, we looked at the tape and he looks good. It's not a case like, I'll use a recent example, EJ Speed had an issue in college. And when we asked about that, he said, he's a good kid who made a mistake. The people we talked to, they liked him. They talked to about his character, saying he's actually a player that they think has good character that just made a mistake. That's not something that Frank Reich said about Chad Kelly. Because right now, that's not something I don't think you can say about Chad Kelly, that he's a good kid that made a mistake. Because as we've said, he's made too many mistakes. EJ Speed made one mistake to our knowledge. Right. And, and, and shouldn't everybody have a chance, depending on the mistake. Right. You, you should have that chance to... to you know, atone for your mistake. This is one again. You, you, here we are, just piling on this guy. But that's you know, he's, that's he's, what's going to happen when he, you sign he, him. He's he's a big boy, and, and this is the NFL. And when you bring this kind of resume, that's what I'm saying. It, it's we're going to spend ten minutes talking about it. I've written about it. Everybody else has written about it. And next week, when we talk to him, probably for the first time, we'll talk about it again. Mm-hmm. And you know, you, you hope the kid gets his act together. But to this point. He's shown that he can't, that he hasn't got his act together. So uh, yeah, I, I just don't see the, the the if this was a guy you're bringing in to be to compete as your backup this year, maybe, maybe because there's not a lot of great backup quarterback possibilities out there. But you've got your backup, mm-hmm. and I tell you one thing we took away from Ballard uh, when we talked to him about Jacoby Brissett, he didn't rule out resigning him at the end of the season. Of course, he threw out some numbers and he mentioned, well, if we don't. If we don't re-sign him, you know, he may get like $8 million somewhere and we'll get a fourth-round pick. 
So in, in Ballard's mind, you know, that that's his asking price is maybe $8 million. So maybe you offer Brissett eight, $9 million a year to stay here. Mm-hmm. And then, then it's on Brissett and you go somewhere else. So again, I keep coming back to the same thing that this is a guy you're, you're exposing your, your character mantra to, and at best, at best, he's going to be your third quarterback this year, probably on the practice squad. And then what? I, I I don't agree with it. I don't agree. I agree with a lot of what Ballard and the Colts do. This is one I don't. Well, at the top of the quarterback depth chart, of course, is Andrew Luck. No one about to kick him off of that pedestal anytime soon. But Luck did not participate in the Colts' first round of OTAs. He has a strained calf. Uncertain when he'll return. That's always a little concerning when it's uncertain when you'll return. Or we'll reevaluate at the end of the week. Yeah. So that, especially with uh, the recent history of Andrew Luck, that's always those are words that you never want to hear. You, you don't want to, you know, panic or or blow things out of proportion. Right. And and one thing that Reich has made clear, and every coach we've had here has made clear, if if this time of year a player is dealing with something, he doesn't practice. If a guy comes in and says, "Boy, last night I woke up and my back's kind of tight," he doesn't practice. Yeah, you sit. Yeah, you sit. You know, because as Reich said, we want these guys to be ready full strength for training camp. But whenever there's an issue with your quarterback, it's I don't care if it's minor, I don't care if it's major, it's an issue. When, when, when a quarterback misses practice time after missing so much practice time last offseason, it's an issue. It'll be an issue until he returns. And again, I'm not blowing this out of proportion at all. But if, if he's not out there next week, he's not out there the week after, then at some level you're a little concerned. For his pass catchers, though, you saw T.Y. Hilton back on the field. Which we didn't think that was going to – we really, from from talking to T.Y. Ta-da. We're going to take it slow, and I've got a little bit more ways to go, and and he's out there practicing. And the one thing you do when you go to these OTAs is you start taking a roll. Who's out there, who's not? There were, gosh, nine, ten, a a dozen guys not out there. But T.Y. being out there was impressive. He looked good. And it's it's good when you see your top players practicing. Uh, as for the people who didn't practice that you brought up... Uh, take, take a breath because there's a lot yeah. of them. <gasps> uh, Andrew Luck with the calf. Darius Leonard rehabbing that left ankle. Jack Doyle with the hip. Eric Ebron with the groin. Deion Kane still from last year's ACL injury. Ross Travis knee injury. Also Clayton Gathers, Jabal Shear, Jihad Ward, Chris Milton, and the rookie free agent wide receiver Penny Hart out of Georgia State. So all those guys not working yet. They're staying on the sideline because, like you said, there's no reason to push them at this point. But nevertheless, it's always better to see people out there. Than, and I think, I think this there. list is going to be the same for the rest of for the next so three too. weeks. We're not going to see Leonard had his foot in the boot, had there surgery. No reason to have Leonard no. out there. Uh, Doyle was supposed to be mid-June. Even probably the same Kane. Yeah, uh, Clayton Gathers, I think we'll see him out there. Jabal shared. We didn't. We don't know what Gathers' issue is. He, he's been battling a lot of different things. Sh- shared, we don't know. But... Again, it. I don't think any of these are serious at all. And barring something happening, I think all these guys will be ready for the start of training camp. So those are things that didn't happen during uh, OTAs. What did happen out there? What caught your eye, Mike, that you think uh, could be telling uh, good things for the future? Well, again, we, we, you start watching areas that are, that are going to be highly competitive. And we just get drawn to the wideouts because it's a deep group. And you add punches, you add... Paris Campbell, and there's a couple plays that Funches just, you think, okay, 
you know, it looks pretty good. Now, one thing to keep in mind is during these OTAs, it's no pads, it's no hitting. Cornerbacks sometimes get uh, frustrated because you can't really jostle these guys very much. So it's it's advantage wide receivers. For sure. There was one he goes up against Pierre Desir, a back shoulder from Brissette, made a great catch. They love to have that back shoulder. Guys who can go up and jump balls. Another play where, uh, and also Reich pointed out how their Funches showed some great ability to run the in route. And he says Luck loves to throw the in route. In Paris Campbell, people are going to get tired of hearing us talk about him, but <laughs> every day he shows you something. We get one day a week we see practice, he shows you the speed. He's going to primarily work out of the slot early on. I uh, had a play where I ran a deep crossing pattern, got behind two guys, caught a touchdown with, with the speed. And the interesting part is going to be how they expand, how they allow him to grow as a, as a slot guy, which is where he'll be primarily as a rookie, but grow his entire game. And I did notice during punt return drills, they've got they had Chester Rogers as the main guy and Paris Campbell. And if I looked at his bio right, Paris didn't do a lot of punt returns in college. He was a kick returner, and he looked very comfortable. Of course, there's no rush. Right. You haven't got people bearing down on you. Right. If Paris Campbell is their punt returner, Chester Rogers should be worried. Very much so. Because you're going to probably keep six receivers, and there's so many of these young guys, again, Deion Kane. I'm not. I'm not ruling out Deion Kane opening up Pam, opening up the season on pup. Yeah. I just think Chris Ballard sort of, you know, nicks that, but I just think it's a possibility. But with the numbers, with Pascal and Rogers and Marcus Johnson, and I'll throw Krushan Hogan, and there's somebody from Steve Ishmael, Syracuse, my guy. <laughs> Will you leave town when he leaves town, or will you stick around? I might have to. I know if Zaire Franklin's still here, I can still hang okay, out. Right, that's well, okay. Fear well, not. As long as you got a guy. But I just think that's one group that they're they're going to have tough competition. They're going to get rid of a couple of good players. And, again, we've talked. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. It really is. Uh, defensively, again, Justin Houston spent a lot of time at right end, which allowed him to go against Anthony Costanzo at left tackle. And I remember back in the day when it was Tariq Glenn going against Dwight Freeney from Syracuse, Syracuse University. And it just it just makes both players better. Uh, and you get that competition at every snap. Uh, ben, Banigou? Ben Banigou. As long as I spell it correctly, That's I'm correct. fine. Uh, they use him as an edge pass rusher. It's going to be more they're going to see as a, uh, as a linebacker some. So th- th- this is where you sort of learn – who can do what? Who fits well? And I tell you, all we've just said, if you add Gerald McCoy to the mix, yeah. all of a sudden you're, you're redoing things, which, again, this is the time to be redoing that. Chris Ballard said at some time it'd be ideal. I think it was in the past couple of weeks after the draft. You'd love to have four defensive ends out there right. on, the, on the field and running after the quarterback on a third and 13 or whatever it might be. But, hey, if one of those players is Gerald McCoy out there, I, I maybe have, three I, defensive ends. I can have three Gerald. ends at a tackle. Yeah. 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 Autry is pretty much a defensive end in himself. That's a good point. He was defensive end until they moved him inside last year. And really, same with Marcus Hunt. He played a lot on the exterior as well, moved him to the inside. So That's right. Yeah. Um, and like, Taekwon Lewis as well has played right. outside. Yeah. And which which we really don't know what he can do because he missed right. half the season. Right. Mike, I wanted to ask you, Paris Campbell, did you notice any problems with his hands? Because that was one of the concerns, you know, before the draft is people said, oh, he can't catch farther, you know, anything farther than 10 yards down the field. Any problems with drops? 
No, and, and again, what, what what I was looking for more was was how comfortable was he fielding punts, which very comfortable. The guy that had a couple issues is is Chester Rogers buffed a punt, dropped a pass, and I realize it's May. I realize that, but they're they're going to review everything, and you just it just bad in a tough position. It's it's hard to have a bad day. His job might be on the hot seat. Well, I, th- I think it is. You yeah. can start hearing footsteps in May, you know, in terms of who's creeping up behind you on the roster. And maybe that's the case. Maybe it's not. Maybe you just had a bad day. I don't want to pile on Chester right now. Um, he certainly had a couple of super important games last year. I think the Giants game at the end of that game. And did he catch the winning touchdown? Was that the Giants game? Or was that somewhere else? It might have been. I, they, yeah. they, they run together. But yeah, exactly. At this point, I'm trying to pick it out of my head just randomly. But but we also talked, you know, the competition. We, we talked to Anthony Walker on Tuesday. And I asked him, I said, you know, you emerged last year. You started, you were whatever was second the team in tackles and tackles for loss and all that. Did you notice during the draft when they draft three linebackers, right? And two of them might be guys that move inside. Mm-hmm. He said he sort of laughed, but he said it's about competition, mm-hmm. and they want to. They they just they're they're convinced. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna mention iron sharpens iron like Chuck Pagano used to. Iron sharpens iron. Maybe Joe can delete that out of there. <laughs> but but they're they're, they're convinced that, that they want to get quicker, faster, and better, and they greatly upgraded the competition at linebacker. Joe, did you look up Chester Rogers? Yes, no? It was. Uh, okay. He had seven catches and 54 yards and a touchdown against okay. the Giants. There so we go. Good memory. There. Thank you. Well, at least one thing that, that I could bring to, bring to the Syracuse forefront. education. That's right. <laughs> Represent Go Orange. Okay. Something we want to do this week on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. By the way, follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. You can also follow me on Twitter at Dave G underscore sports. Mike Chappell at mchappell one. Uh, Joe Hopkins at Roto Street Joe uh, for all of our Colts takes uh, as things turn up. Um, one thing that we want to bring to the Colts Blue Zone this week on this podcast is a, a little top 10 list of Colts players for 2019. The 10 best Colts, perhaps, on this roster. It's uh, just a little piece of discussion that we would like to get to. Um, because, Mike, as you're saying, it's always nice to to add talent, and uh, the Colts have certainly added some over the past couple of years uh, to to the locker room. So if you're doing a top 10 list of Colts players for 2019, 1 through 10, uh, just best player, it's not like best future, it's not most potential, it's not any of that, it's just best player going into 2019. Um, I think... I hope, at least, we can have agreement on number one on this list. But I don't know. Maybe we don't. Jacoby Brissett? Oh, <laughs> right position, yeah. wrong player. I mean, I was going with Steve Ishmael. But anyway, Andrew Luck, I think, is going to take our, our number one spot. If, if, we're all... if you get your list there? I've got my list right here. Tell us. Okay, my list is uh, Andrew Luck is number one on the list. Number two on my list is Adam Vinatieri. And some people might not have Adam that high. He's only played in three Pro Bowls in his uh, rather long career. But for kickers, Pro Bowls sometimes to me aren't the most important metric because you get guys like, for example, last year, Jason Myers was the AFC Pro Bowl kicker for the Jets. And he had played three years for the Jaguars. He flamed out for them. And then he signed on in the offseason eventually with the Jets and had one admittedly fantastic season. Adam Vinatieri has been great for 20 years. He's maybe not had the best season because kickers get hot and they can't miss. Vinatieri's been 85% or so 
so consistently. And if you don't have a kicker, you're looking for a kicker. And even if sometimes if you Chicago, have a kicker. Chicago Bears. Exactly. Sometimes I'll stay with the Myers, Jason Myers example with the Jets. He's not with the Jets anymore, even after a Pro Bowl year last year. He's off to Seattle. So even if you have a kicker, sometimes you're looking for the next kicker. When you have Adam Vinatieri on your on your roster, you're never looking for the next kicker until he's 56 years old and he decides to finally hang up his cleats. So that's why I decided to put Adam Vinatieri number two on my list. Number three, I have T.Y. Hilton. Uh, four Pro Bowls for him in seven years. Um, five out of his seven years, 1,000-yard seasons. The only two that are not 1,000-yard seasons are his rookie year or the 2017 season, which we would just as soon forget. Um, and... T.Y., as much as he is a product of Andrew Luck's greatness, T.Y. adds a whole lot to Andrew Luck as well. Because when he's not on the field or when he's not 100%, Andrew Luck is not nearly as productive. T.Y. Hilton adds an element of speed that can beat you deep. He just seems to be able to get that first down and get down like Marvin Harrison did so well for so many years. I have must, t- Marvin must have learned that from uh, Syracuse. Uh, he certainly did. And maybe a guy like a, like a Rob Moore before him or a, uh, or John Mackey before to him. Go, to go down meekly. Hey, hey, <laughs> go, go down and get, the, get those yards and be, be healthy for the next play. So T.Y. Hilton's my third. My fourth, this is again where I might diverge from some. I have Ryan Kelly as my fourth best Colt. And on the offensive line, I think maybe more people would have Quentin Nelson, the highest-ranked offensive lineman. But Ryan Kelly, as Coach Goosh said last year, might be the best center in the NFL. And your center, you could make a case for the most important position on the line. I think left tackle might be able to make a stronger case. But for center is the guy who gets everybody lined up and blocking properly and calls the audibles before the snap. So Kelly not only is a solid player as a pass blocker and a run blocker, but also very good before the snap as well to get the offensive line in the correct play, in the correct position, in the correct mindset to go into the play. So I have Ryan Kelly, number four on my list. Number five, now I get into the uh, the first year, guys. I have Quentin Nelson, number five, right behind Ryan Kelly. Quentin, tremendous season, room to grow but all-pro in his rookie year, not too bad. Number six, the other rookie, all-pro, Darius Leonard, I have. I think Leonard could jump up to number three even and knock off Hilton if he continues to put together seasons like he did last year in terms of number of tackles and takeaways. Those strips were clutch. A couple interceptions, I think, as well. At least one interception. Maybe he had another that was canceled out or something. But um, but I have Darius Leonard right there. Yeah, you did have two? Okay. You did have two. And Darius Leonard right there at number six on my list. Uh, then after that, I think there's, um, well, you could debate putting some of these guys higher, I guess, too. But number seven on my list, I have Justin Houston. Um, Houston comes in immediately and is a top 10 player on this Colts team. Uh, nine sacks, nine and a half sacks the last two years. He might be 30, 31 years old, but I think as he, he thinks he has plenty of gas left in the tank, and Chris Ballard must too because he brought him in here. He had 22 sacks one season, for crying out loud. You, you don't have that kind of talent too often in the NFL to have guys that can top 20 sacks. So he deserves a spot somewhere in the top 10. I have him number seven. Right behind him, Anthony Costanzo. No Pro Bowls for AC, but man, once again, if he's not in there, which doesn't happen often, uh, you are just 
you have a questionable left side of that offensive line. He stabilizes things. He's been there for Andrew Luck's entire career, basically. Um, Luck does not get blindsided, as we have brought up in the past couple weeks, talking about Tarek Glenn and possible futures on the Colts Ring of Honor. Similar to Costanzo, even though he's not viewed as maybe the best or the best one or two offensive left tackles in the AFC since he can't make the Pro Bowl or hasn't made the Pro Bowl, I still have him as a top 10 talent there at number eight. Number nine, I have Malik Hooker. I've told you guys in the past how much I love safeties, so in my heart of hearts, I would love to see Malik Hooker a little bit higher on this list. I'd love to put him somewhere over Costanzo or maybe even over Houston because I think he just does so much not only for himself with um but but for the defense as a whole just keeping plays in front of him not letting the other team go deep if you do go deep it's going to get swatted more than more than likely because Malik Hooker is back there um and I think Hooker has a I do think he has a lot of room to grow and that's why I can't put him higher I think if you talk about potential he would be higher on the list but right now like I said is what we're talking about in terms of talent this year so I have Malik Hooker at number nine And the number 10 was the one I kind of hemmed and hawed about the most. I think if most Colts fans put together a list of top 10 Colts, those would probably be all nine of those guys would be on there in some form or fashion. The 10th one might be a little bit more up for debate. I settled on Jabal Sheard eventually. Uh, Two years ago, he had an elite season um, when the Colts had a disastrous season. He had a pro football focus grade over 90 and was a top 10 for defensive ends in the NFL. Um, last year, he kind of stepped back a little bit. I don't know if that has to do with changing defensive scheme or what, whatever. But he's he's consistent, five-plus sacks, seven sacks, whatever, year to year. And as much as that's not the elite 12 to 14 sack guy, like I think Justin Houston can be at his best, mm-hmm. having Jabal Sheard there not only as pa- on passing downs but on rundowns to set the edge, whatever, is I, I think he... He eventually was the one that that won me over over some other guys uh, on this list. So I'm going to leave the other guys that I considered off for a while until I hear your um, your guys' top ten exactly what you thought would be uh, the top top ten Colts for this uh, this year. I took a little different approach. I took the ten most important Colts. Okay, which they, they kind of go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Again, luck. You know, it's one of those uh, obviously his four seasons were. Shoulder has not been an issue. Forty-three and twenty-one, four playoffs. They've won playoff games three of the four years. That goes without saying. I've got T.Y. Hilton second. His importance to the offense is is immeasurable. Last six games last year, playing on one ankle, thirty-two catches, six hundred and twenty-eight yards. And the one thing that he adds that no one else has. Last year, the Colts had sixteen receptions of thirty-plus yards. T.Y. had 12 of them. So I think hmm. he, he brings that one thing that they don't have. My number three guy is Costanzo. Uh, and I just think, I'll give you two stats that just jump out at me. He misses the first five games with the hamstring. The first five games, they averaged 3.6 yards a carry and 74 yards per rush, or per game. The last 11, 4.4 and 122.5. And sacks, the first five games, they gave up 10. The last 11, they gave up eight, including five games with, with five straight with none. I think what he brought to the offensive line, it stabilized it. It 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 just it, it brought that group together, even with as, as Quentin Nelson grew. 
Number four on my list is Darius Leonard. For, for a lot of reasons, you talked about defensive rookie of the year, uh, leader in the NFL leader in, in tackles and all that. He just inspires the defense. Number five on my list is Justin Houston. They're fine, they say, with having a sack-by-committee approach. But, boy, you need you need the guy. You, you need a guy who who is the, the leader, the catalyst, had 11 sacks in 14 games last year, including the playoffs. I've got Ryan Kelly at six. I think what from talking to Luck, what the center does in this offense, they ask him to do so much. Protection, sliding the line, in the pre-snap movements, I think that's what he his value. And he played at a Pro Bowl level on top of that. Number seven to me is importance is Marlon Mack. They, they, they want to run the ball better, which, I again, I I can show that they ran the ball pretty doggone well last year when they had their people together. Uh, lacks, the last 11 games when they had people together, uh, Mack averaged 79 yards a game and 4.7. That's about uh, 1,200, 1,300 yards a game. So, And he had, what, 400-yard games, 148 in the playoffs. He's got to be the guy to carry the weight, even with the two young kids, Hines and Wilkins and Spencer Ware. Number eight for me is Quentin Nelson. I one of these days. Why do you hate guards, Mike? Th- th- one of these <laughs> one of these days. One of these days that win me over to to be more, I guess, in on guards. But he does. He brings something along with being a Pro Bowl All, all Pro guy. So I'll give him his due. But I'll take my left tackle and my center over my left guard. Number nine, I had issues with. I I don't. I may. You, you can talk me into Malik. I was gonna, I was gonna say you can talk me into a hooker. Hey-o. But we need to. We need. To, I've got Pierre Desir there Ooh. because I think with what they with what they invested three years, twenty five million, I think it was, and they've got to have a corner step up and be the guy. If not him, then it's Quincy Wilson or it's Kenny Moore, and Kenny Moore is really more effective in the slot. But I could very easily be talked into Malik Cooker in that spot. My only issue is it, it seems like they've somewhat devalued the safety as opposed to corners here, but I'm fine there. And in my 10th one is Vinatieri. I I had him low, that low, but but he had to be on my list because last year they had eight one-possession games. Mm-hmm. And you're going you're gonna to play in close games, whether you kick the, the, the field goals in the second quarter, third quarter, or he's had, I don't know what it is, uh, is it 28 uh, game-winning kicks. And, and you've got to have a guy that when the, when the time comes, he's going to step up there and kick it. So I almost tried to put Paris Campbell in there, but again, let's see you He's play. He's a rookie, yeah. Let, he let's, can't let's do Let's see that. you play. He can't but I do think that. He, he, we can talk. We'll have something later on in, in the month or next month about breakout Colts and most important, you know, you know, important impact. If there's a player that can take this offense to another level, it's Paris Campbell. But let's see you do it first. Joe, how about your top 10? Very interesting, Mike. We're very similar at the top. Uh, I have Luck 1, Hilton 2, um, for all the reasons you stated. Then next, I have Darius Leonard. After that, I have Quentin Nelson. Both made all pro as rookies. If they're you know the best at their positions in the NFL, you're damn sure they're the best you know on the Colts team. After that, I have Ryan Kelly, you know, one of the best centers in the NFL when he's healthy. And if he stayed healthy more, he might have been higher he's, on this he's list. He's missed a few games. Yeah, and so that's why I didn't have him over uh, Nelson. 
After that, I have Costanzo, just because he's so important to the team. He might not be a pro bowler, you know, all pro, like guys like Kelly and Nelson, but he's just a rock-solid left tackle that you can rely on. Um, then I have Justin Houston after that. I mean, the guy just gets to the quarterback. Yeah, he'll miss three or four games a year, but in the games he plays, he's probably going to get you a sack. Um, I have Hooker after that. I think he really played well last season. He didn't have the impact, you know, interceptions as he did as a rookie, but I think in his second season post, you know, the knee injury, we can see a little more out of him this year. <clears throat> Excuse me. After that, I'm getting Jamal. all choked up talking about I Malik know, Hooker. Yeah, I go know. ahead. <laughs> After that, I have a uh, Jabal Sheard, um, very underrated player. Like you said, Dave, in 2017, Pro Football Focus sang his praises with all the quarterback pressures he had. Um, the 10 spot was very hard. I considered Mac. I probably should have considered Vinatieri more heavily here. He is not on my top 10 list. Get out. <laughs> and a lot of that is probably I'm just second. because he's a kicker. I, I'll, yeah. handle, I'll handle the board. Uh, yes. <laughs> I went with Danico Autry because if you can get – he's kind of like the Eric Ebron to me of the defense. Um, didn't do a ton throughout his career. Came to the Colts and broke out. Nine sacks in 12 games is really impressive, Yeah, especially from a defensive tackle. Um you know, I considered Desir, I considered a lot of guys in that spot, and you can make arguments, but I went with Autry just because of his impact last year. What does it say that none of us put Eric Eber on the list? That he probably won't be on the team in 2020. <sighs> Ooh, jeez, yeah. yeah. But, we're, but we're talking 219. I I like Ebron a lot, and for a guy to score 14 touchdowns and not end up on any of our lists, 15 touchdowns, right, would... Uh, I don't know, man. Like he, he still showed drops from time to time. I think if you're talking about tight ends in general, he could be a better blocker. I think he's a good blocker, but he's not a uh, not even the best blocking tight end on the team. Um, so as much as I like Eric Ebron and see the value that he had, I think these ten guys are are more important. And I have him in my next group of people that I was considering for that 10 spot that eventually went to Shear, just for the record, but go ahead. Well, again, I think, I think Shear is, is, you both have him on. I think he's, he's, we've talked, I think he's one of the more underrated, he is one of the more underrated free agent signings they've had here. I put him there with Eric uh, Walden mm-hmm. with, what, with, with what they've got. I, I wouldn't be opposed, although with we'll see how this roster develops, I wouldn't be opposed to, to re-signing Shear when the season's over. Mm-hmm. This is a contract. He's a guy that they thought they knew what they were getting, but I think he's exceeded what what they thought. He's a solid uh, guy on the edge. He gives you some pass rush. And when when you're talking about leadership and locker room guys, he's he, well, he was their man of the year finalist last year. Mm-hmm. So uh, I just think that I think he's a quality player. Uh, and, and again, the fact that we're having some difficulty w- with the bottom of this shows you that they're just getting this roster better. And uh, again, I just it'd be interesting to see ha- how they move forward. And I, t- I tell you, if Gerald Wilkins comes in here, or Gerald McCoy, I mean, comes in here. Oh yeah, oh, where would he fit in there? He, yeah, he probably bounces somebody off my top ten. Yeah, Let's, I would think so. Maybe one of the secondary guys. Sorry, but, uh, yeah. So, so I, I just think it's 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 a good group, but boy, it all starts with the quarterback. And yeah. it, it's it's I go back to when Chris Ballard came in here. He said it's it's never going to be about one guy. It's always about fifty three. But how many teams have had 50, 52 players pretty good mm-hmm. and not have a quarterback? And at best, 
you're going to make a wild card and maybe win a first-round game and then get beat. So luck gives you the chance. It, again, 43-21. and 21. And the one stat that I'm going to pound home, when when this defense holds a team to 17 points, Luck's 31-1. and one. So that that's what you want. I cannot believe you guys. One doesn't have Adam Vinatieri on his <laughs> list, and one has him all the way down at 10th. That is stunning to me. Well, again, Absolutely I, stunning. I went most, you went best. I went most important. Because again, I just I think he's pretty important too. Well, I, I agree. It, it's funny. I always talk about I, I watch college football, and when these major powers have just, all these positions, and they haven't got a kicker. Yeah, you've got all these scholarships. Can't, guys can't make thirty-two yard kicks. Go out on the soccer field and get a guy that can kick. But uh, I, I just I would I, I I guess we argue how high he goes. He's got to be on my list. Anyone who leaves Vinatieri off the list has got to be a complete knucklehead. That's right. Come on. I don't know which one it was. Oh, it was Joe. Because again, you, you've got there's going to be a game or two where it's going to be three seconds to play. It's tied. You're behind, and you've got to kick, and you've got to have the kicker. And you said yourself, eight games last season were one possession games. You need a kicker, and Adam Vinatieri is your. If he goes down, especially right now, there's 31 other teams that have a kicker, and. Those are the 31, assumingly, probably best kickers in the world right now. And there aren't 34 or 35 great kickers. There's not even no. 32 great kickers in we the world. We talk about the, the dearth of quarterbacks yeah. and backups. Kickers are, are, even, are even, you know, it's, it's, it's a thinner pool. So, and we were talking at watching practice the other day. He's going into his 14th season. Here in Indy. In Indy. And only one player has played more than 14 seasons with the Colts. Is that uh eighteen? No, it's no, it's not. It's uh, nineteen. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. John Unitas. Okay. He played seventeen, and then it drops down to, to fourteen. Wow. So Vinatieri's in that group with I think it's Peyton, Reggie, maybe Robert Mathis, and this is after playing ten years in New England. Yeah. That that that's what's incredible. And I went back and looked, and since he's turned forty, he's forty six. Since he's turned forty, he's converted like eighty nine percent of his field goals. Mm-hmm. He's gotten better with age. I realize he had the bad game in Kansas City. Well, everybody did. Right. So I, As you again, are apt to point out, and th- you are correct every time. Right. So, <laughs> so again, if we're, if we're going to throw the baby out with the bathwater after that, then this roster is empty mm-hmm. because of the way they played. But to have – there's there's when it came time to, you know, the season ended, and boy, are they going to re-sign Vinatieri. I took the approaches. You've got so many concerns. Why create one? Mm-hmm. You've got your kicker. You know, sign him. He got I don't know was it was three and a half four million dollars, which is he's he's got to have set a league record for most one year two year contracts with a team. Because remember, he came here in 06 with a three year deal, I think it was. But that's a guy that, like you said, when when you know it's time, you know he's probably gonna he's gonna deliver for you, and he's made all his his reputation still nationwide is as a patriot because of all the great kicks, the snow kick and the Super Bowl kicks. But what he's done here for 14 years is you don't worry about who your kicker is. I'll bring up the other players that I considered for that last spot that eventually went to Jabal Sheer. We've talked about a couple of them already. We talked about Eric Ebron. Uh, you brought up Pierre Desir. Um, Kenny Moore was in my my thoughts as well. Um, eventually, I didn't, I didn't think I could put any of the Colts cornerbacks on there yet um, as the top 10, either in most important or in, uh, or in best uh, as in top players. I just think there's there's... Kenny Moore, I think, is a good young cornerback. Maybe he can be there in five years or so. But 
Um, but I don't know about Desir, at least for me, being in the top 10 best. There's one name that we have not mentioned so far that I don't think will be in anybody's top 10, but I want to bring him up. And that's, Sanchez. Exactly. That's Very Rigoberto good. Sanchez. Um, and I don't know. Maybe I just love special teams because I, I do because yeah. I have been in Terry all the way up at number two. But again, field position can win you games. Two, three, four times he drops the ball inside to five. Yep. And that goes for him. That's as valuable as Chris Milton is as well as a, as a gunner. It's gonna, why it's going to be hard to knock him off the final 53-man roster, even though the Colts do have some better competition now at cornerback. I'm telling you, he deserves at least to be mentioned, and that's why I'm bringing him up, because he can pin you inside the 5. He can put you inside the 20. He's got a good leg. It's not a Pat McAfee boomstick. Nobody has the Pat McAfee boomstick. But he's good on kickoffs. He's good on punts. He's quick. Him and... Luke Rhodes and Luke Rhodes and him have a great chemistry together to get the ball down for Vinatieri and to get the ball out quickly when he's punting. So I just I wanted to bring him up, even though I don't think that he deserves a spot ultimately in the 10 best list that we're talking about here. Just just remember when McAfee retired suddenly in whatever year it was, two, three years in ago, February, and, and we're thinking, who's going who's gonna to be the punter? Yep. And they signed uh, Jeff Locke, was it, from Minnesota? Out of Minnesota. With the... Semi decent contract, and then they 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 sign Rigoberto, Rigoberto as a as a uh, free agent, undrafted free agent, yep. and he beats him out. Darn right, and he's he, he's been one of the better punters in the league since then. So he'll be a guy that when the contract's up soon, you're going to try have to lock him up because again, mm-hmm. it's you, you you almost take that position for granted until you see the quality of performance. That's why the 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 Colts have had only a handful of punters in their career in in their time here. Ron Stark and Hunter Smith and McAfee uh, and Chris Gardaki. When you have those guys, and, the, and the field goal kickers are the same way for the most part. So when when that's when that's taken care of, then you can worry about who, who's my receivers. What, what, how do we get a defensive line? The, these guys are invaluable. I wouldn't put Sanchez top ten. I wouldn't dismiss him though as his value. Well, one um, for for a long time, the Colts needed the best punter or one of the best punters in the NFL because he was on the field too much. And then for a long time, the Colts it didn't matter who the punter was because well, Peyton Manning probably didn't didn't give him too many opportunities to do so. So that can probably also be part of the reason why you didn't have too much punter turnover because right. you had a really good one for a long time. And Hunter Smith, not that he's a bad one at all, but I think he is a good punter, but. You just never had the opportunity to be bad too much. So. Well, and again, too, they, Sanchez is a quality kickoff guy, which is yep. where, where people keep in mind how the value of McAfee when he was here is his kickoffs were incredible. You just didn't, you did not return his kicks. You didn't return his punts. They've led, they, they've been top five in the league in, in fewest punt return yards for a long time. Yes, that's the return or the cover guys. It's also the punter. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the Colts Blue Zone podcast for this week. An interesting discussion of top 10 Colts. Um, Joe as uh, will be asked to step down from his position after the week because he did he not just include... Can't, he, he can't Adam spell Adam Vinatieri. It's true. It's that's true. a problem. It's possibly why. Fee? <laughs> or is it an anti-New England thing? Yeah, it could be. You never know. Uh, we will have some more top 10 or top five uh, lists to come in the future weeks. Uh, Mike mentioned breakout players. That's certainly a, an interesting one to consider with uh, the rookie class and maybe the first or second year guys, uh, guys that certainly have potential to maybe, maybe guys on the spot move up in the future and guys on the spot as well who needs to perform this year if they want a future in Indianapolis. 
all worthy discussions. But those will come in the coming weeks for the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Again, I'll run down our list. You can follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. You can follow me at Dave G underscore sports at mchapel51 at Roto Street Joe. For Joe Hopkins and Mike Chapel, I am Dave Griffiths. This is the Colts Blue Zone podcast, and we'll see you next time.